Welcome to the Republican Professor. This morning, we have with us Dr. Mark McIntyre. Well, good. good morning. I'm in, I'm in California. Yeah, I'm in California. So we're on the same coast. Uh, first of all, thank you for sharing your audience with me. It's very generous of you. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to uh, converse with you uh, and through you with uh, sure. your multitude of followers on the Republican professor. I was just on your website reading a couple of the articles. Very impressive. Very impressive. Well, thank you. Yep. Mark, uh, you are a fellow educator here in the embattled state of California. And you have a quite an interesting background, I think. Um, we were talking just before we were recording about your your uh, education, your formal education, which partly took place in Europe. Yes. Um, in Italy, right? Yes. What, uh, yeah. Was it only Italy as far as European countries? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't mean to say that as any, that's no, no. quite an accomplishment. Um, <laughs> no, 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 that, but yeah, only, only, uh, only in Rome. Wow. And so I think I just wanted you to <laughs> restate what you were telling me before, because what you told me before, I thought well, I was very impressed by it. Um, you, your uh, terminal degree is an LLD. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. It's a doctor of laws degree. When you have two capital letters in Latin side by side, mm -hmm. signifying a degree, it means plural. So unlike the JD degree, which is a Juris Doctoris, an LLD is a doctor of laws. And the, the two laws that are, that are signified by that are uh, natural law and ecclesiastical law. Natural law being objective, absolute, unchangeable, immutable, and of course, ecclesiastical law being uh, flexible and changeable because it's created by humans. So hmm. that was the, uh, the program. Natural I, I, law. I started teaching uh, at Westfield State University when I was 23. Where's that at? Uh, that's in Massachusetts. Uh, Westfield. You were saying, yeah, you were the youngest... Philosophy youngest professor, professor of philosophy uh, at, uh, at that time. Uh, in the state of Massachusetts. <laughs> 1966. I started in 1966. And I was 1966. Wow. Yeah. So I've been teaching for uh, 53 years, teaching philosophy for 53 years. Wow. Yeah. Over you, had, you, you mentioned a professor that you had. Right. In Rome. Right. And not, it, it was two uh, things that was interesting to me about that professor. First of all, who he was, which uh, the name, his name, his real name is Joseph Ratzinger is not. Yeah. People might not know who that is, but right. he has a real name. And then he also had a role or a title later. Right. Uh, that everybody would know who that is. Well, unless right. you're a total idiot, but well, who was Joseph Ratzinger? Well, Joseph Ratzinger, when I knew him uh, in Rome, he uh, was a professor of moral theology at the Gregorian University, uh, also the Angelicum University, and also the North American College, which was a university for secular priests. Uh, the others, the other, uh, uh, there are five, there are five uh, pontifical universities in Rome. He was your professor? Uh, well, yeah, um, among others, of course. Right, uh, but, uh, but he I, taught you? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, uh, I was looking around for a, uh, a thesis uh -huh. um, uh, for my, for my degree. And, um, 
uh, I happened to uh, ask him because he was uh, teaching moral philosophy at the time. And uh, so he gave me a series of uh, audio tapes, reel to reel, the old, old school reel to reel thing. And on these tapes, these were uh, broadcasts that he did uh, for uh, Radio Italiana, uh, the state radio uh, program. And uh, in these tapes, he called for the what he called the contraction, the contraxa of uh, the Catholic Church to the first century structure, meaning do away with the papacy, do away with uh, the Vatican, do away with the College of Cardinals, do away with cardinals, do away with archbishops, do away with bishops, and have the local parishes, the local parishioners, choose their own clergy, making them immediately responsible in case a priest got out of line, as we now know uh, there has been um, uh, documented evidence of um, um, uh, priestly uh, pedophilia uh, rampaging through the Catholic Church. Um, and one of the difficulties uh, with resolving that is that uh, instead of having the uh, pedophile priest uh, prosecuted by local uh, legal authorities, uh, the cases usually get shuttled uh, to uh, Rome and get the runaround and the cover-up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The movie Spotlight uh, that was done about the Boston situation uh, was uh, exemplary of this. But anyway, so uh, Ratzinger, Ratzinger was an early advocate of uh, destructuring the church to the first century uh, 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 style, where, where the, the parishioners actually chose their own clergy, and therefore they would be responsible if they got out of line. They would be answerable immediately, not sent off to Rome or Boston or New York or Washington or some cardinal uh, uh, shuffling papers around. So uh, that's, that's what got me on the track and my, my thesis uh, we had we had to write the thesis in Latin. We had to defend it in Latin. Uh, it was contra contra papam romanum. Wow. <laughs> contra papam romanum uh, at episcopi. The, the translation would be against the Roman uh, pope and and bishops. What year? What university was this? The Gregorian University in Rome. Okay. And uh, the okay. So I'm just trying to wrap my mind around this. This is amazing to me. Mm. You you wrote it in Latin. Well, that had to be written in Latin. All theses at that time. This is uh, this wow. is before Vatican II. Yeah, uh, the, Vatican that, II was sixty eight or sixty. Well, it ended in 65, 1965. 1965, I was there. Okay. So uh, yeah, I was I wow. was with that. So yeah, it ended in nineteen sixty five. You were in Rome during Vatican II. Yeah, and in my yeah. mind, in the mind of many, it destroyed the Catholic Church. Uh, yeah. Catholic okay. Church. But that's another topic. We can talk about that later. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, well, let's uh, stay. Hold on. If, if somebody doesn't know, say they're not Catholic and they're they're a little bit behind on this. Mm -hmm. If they Google this guy, Joseph Ratzinger, they're going to find out he was a professor. Is that all they're going to find out? No, they're going to find out that he later became a, uh, a bishop and then an archbishop and then a cardinal. And eventually he was elected pope. He was known as Pope Benedict XVI. OK. He's now in retirement in the Vatican. He's still alive, very much alive. Uh, he lives in the Vatican, and uh, many. So you were you were taught by a future pope, basically. Well, <laughs> that's awesome. I was one among many. He had a lot of students. A lot. Yes, I can imagine. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's good for you to it's good for us to get clear about what I think that's a big deal, but maybe you don't because it's just you know he had so many students, and that of course, of course. 
you know, one of them might be teaching philosophy in Santa Barbara, of course, and that's kind of <laughs> how you're looking at it. I'm like, well, I've never met a student of a Pope before. I don't think, well, maybe I have, and I just don't know. You probably have, but possible. you don't know. Yeah. You probably don't know it. Well, um, so was he a good Pope? Uh, he, he does follow this podcast. So you want to make sure you just kidding. I don't, <laughs> but was oh, he a good Pope? I hope so too. Was he a good Pope? Did you follow him uh, when he was Pope? I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to make a judgment as to whether he was a good Pope or a bad Pope. In my view, uh, there's no need for the papacy whatsoever. So asking okay. the question about whether the, uh, X is a good Pope or a bad Pope is rather superfluous because I don't believe that there, put, there should be a papacy. And I wrote that. That was my thesis. Uh, wow. From Papa Romana and Episcopi. So, you know, and they didn't throw you out. They just said, no, okay. What they did was they buried me. They What they did was, see, when you, when you, uh, uh, the process was, uh, by the way, I was studying for the Catholic priesthood at the time. And, um, when you when you write a thesis uh, uh, in Rome, it has to be approved by the what was known then as the uh, uh, the Congregation of the Holy Office. Uh, way back in the 15th century, it was uh, uh, Cardinal Torquemada, the Inquisitor. It was known as the Inquisition then, but it has evolved. They now call it something like a dicastery, which is uh, a weird word. But but they're trying to they're trying to um, uh, how shall I say this? Euphemize. Uh, they're trying to euphemize uh, the structure of the church by inventing words or using words that are not popularly understood. But anyway, it had to be sent to uh, uh, the cardinal uh, secretary, the secretariat of the Holy Office uh, and the secretariat of faith, uh, because they're not going to give the imprimatur. I don't know if non-Catholics probably don't even know what I'm, I'm talking about, but Catholics know that there's a list of forbidden books and you don't want to get on that list of forbidden books like Théa de Chardin, the great uh, uh, philosopher, theologian of, uh, uh, of, uh, of the 19, uh, 19, early 1900s, um, uh, got himself on the, uh, uh, the index. It's called the Index of Forbidden Books. So what happens is when you're a seminarian and you write your thesis for your graduate program, it has to be, it's approved by the, the, the university, but then it has to be stamped, rubber stamped by the Congregation of the Holy Office. Now, if you don't get that, you can't get published. If you can't get published, that means you're terminal. You will not be ordained. You're, you're gone. You're dead. And uh, uh, so we never got the uh, we never got the uh, official imprimatur, and that's the time that I left the uh, the Catholic Church and left the priesthood. I wasn't ordained as a priest, but I left the, the seminary, and I started teaching philosophy uh, at Westfield State University in 1967. That was my first year. I was 23. How far, wow! That, how far away from Boston is that? Oh, uh, it's on. Uh, it's in the western part of the state. It's uh, north of Hartford, Connecticut, and a little bit west of uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, on Route 90. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I taught there for uh, six years, organized a revolution to throw the college president out. Um, took me. Uh, uh, were you a rat? Were you a leftist? No, um, no I was a philosopher. Uh, uh, <laughs> not a leftist at all because i was a philosopher um but thank you for asking um 
No, the, well, I the don't know. I don't know too many philosophers that organize revolutions like that. Well, that was only the first one. That was ten years later. I I I, uh, I threw out. Uh, uh, I led a, a charge up the hill to throw Ed Astor out as president of the Screen Actors Guild. Uh, 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 at the behest of people like Charlton Heston and he was on Mary Tyler Moore. What do you have against him? What do you, you don't, uh, they didn't like Mary Tyler Moore? uh, He was was sending uh, uh, compulsory dues of actors to the Sandinistas uh, in Nicaragua. And that's uh, not good. No, Um, definitely. I mean, if he was sending them to the Contras, I wouldn't mind that, but yeah, but he was uh, not doing that. So uh, we put a, a program together and threw him out. So, uh, yeah, I have had a history of throwing uh, over uh, overthrowing tyrants. Yeah, I enjoy it. It's a good pastime. It's very, very therapeutic for me. Did you did you uh, go back? To, did you go back to Massachusetts? Because that's where you're from. Where you, where did you? Yeah, I was born in Salem, Massachusetts. Yeah, I was born. Oh, in OK, yeah. so and, you went back home after Rome. Uh, yeah, I went home and got a job mm-hmm. teaching uh, full time at uh, Westfield State College. Now it's a university. How did you get that? that job did you know somebody no i simply uh i, I simply uh, uh asked around with some friends of mine in washington dc and got a list of available professorships at that time there were quite a few openings for for college professors in philosophy yeah. today of course you can't get hired at all because the, there are no right. full-time jobs uh, uh at all right. um and but anyway so hard for uh, us to oh, imagine just, that just, now I just got a a, 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 a a phone number for the uh, the college president. Called him up, and uh, he interviewed me. And he uh, six years later, uh, he was the one that I overthrew. Which was <laughs> what kind of courses did you teach there? Oh gosh, yeah. Well, we all have to start off, as you well know, Lucas. We all start off by teaching introduction to philosophy, and yeah. uh, uh, then uh, I had a very good department chairman, Larry Ford. Uh, and uh, he allowed Back when you me. called him a chairman. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, he, uh, you know, he he did not uh, protest his uh, genitalia. Uh, he was yeah. not at war. He wasn't at well, war. He with knew his that genitalia. It... He was very comfortable with his genitalia. Well, of course, but man is also means uh, human being. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't so, necessarily uh, have anything to do with genitals. He allowed just me a, to it's teach, just a species. Uh, he allowed me to teach uh, medieval philosophy, which uh, I really enjoy, the Jewish, Islamic, and Christian tradition. I uh, used the book by Arthur Hyman, which is a fantastic book. I wish I had a copy of it today, uh, but I gave it Not to a print. Yeah, it's a great book. Then he uh, allowed me to teach existentialism and phenomenology, and I also taught philosophy of education. Wow. Uh, so that was my curriculum that I taught for six, uh, six years at, at uh, Westfield State. What was your undergraduate degree in? Philosophy. Where did you do that? I did that at uh, Catholic University in Washington, D.C. I've heard of that school. It's called it, the Catholic University. They're very particular. A, about the what's, Catholic University. what's the religion, religious orientation of that school? Is it Protestant? Well, it's, uh, it was founded by Dominicans. Dominicans have the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, have the uh, reputation of being teachers. Uh, unfortunately, okay. however, there are no Catholic universities anymore in America. They now they now hire atheists to teach uh, theology, um, and they've gone completely woke. So, uh, Catholic University. Uh, I also attended classes at uh, Georgetown University across the across the the, the city, and a lot of friends there. Uh, now that's gone woke. Uh, uh, Fordham University has gone woke. They gave uh, 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 Obama a doctorate, a phony doctorate, 
uh, for uh, being an advocate of abortion. Uh, it's, it's just uh, it, 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 the whole thing is catastrophically imploded. Uh, academia isn't really worth uh, very much. Uh, students are realizing today that they don't need an academic degree, certainly not a PhD or an LLD or a JD. Uh, they can acquire knowledge on their own and they can succeed very well in life. They don't need to go into, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt uh, in order to um, uh, get people to like them and to call them doctor and to call them professor. They don't need that anymore. Uh, mm -hmm. So anyway, that's uh, that's uh, how I that's how I started teaching and uh, I've been teaching for 53 years um, since uh, Westfield State University. Did you do a master's degree in there anywhere? Did a master's degree also at the Catholic University. That was interesting. I'm glad you asked that, Lucas. It was on uh, uh, the concept of subjectivity uh, by Zonin Kierkegaard uh, as the foundation for modern Protestant uh, theology. Uh, I honed in and uh, 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 analyzed his notion of subjectivity. And basically what his thesis there is that reason cannot get you to God. Forget about that. Just forget about Hegel and Kant and Thomas Aquinas and just forget about those those characters because reasoning cannot get you to God. Why? Because belief in God is absurd and that's why you believe it. So that's the concept of subjectivity in a nutshell. And I wrote my thesis that I didn't have to write it in Latin, by the way. In philosophy? Yeah. Philosophy. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to check. It possibly could have been theology, but I was thinking, eh, it's Kierkegaard, it's probably philosophy. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a that's a really good that's a really good idea because many, many philosophers today, all academic philosophers, um, they don't recognize Kierkegaard as a uh, as a philosopher. They put him in the theology bucket. You're quite right about that. Well, I taught at Loyola Marymount for over a decade, mm -hmm. and at least at that university which has a decent philosophy program. I can't say anything about the theology program there, yeah. but the philosophy program, you can get a good education there. Um, and uh, there was a guy named Dr. Shannon Nason who had done his PhD on Kierkegaard at Purdue, I believe. Mm -hmm. And he convinced me that Kierkegaard was a philosopher that should be taken <laughs> seriously. So I was like, okay, well, maybe good I'm job. missing something. Good job. Good job. Well, done. so Yeah. Um, well, uh, you, uh, how did you grow up? Uh, you, you spent your, your undergraduate days and a master's at Catholic mm -hmm. in DC. Um, so did you learn Latin in high school? I had 18 years of Latin. I started uh, speaking Jeez. and reading Latin when I was five years old. I went to uh, St. James elementary school in Salem, Massachusetts, then I went to uh, St. Mary's Boys High School. It was called Boys High School as opposed to Girls High School. Um, St. Uh, Mary's, did you say? St. Mary's Boys High School in Lynn, Massachusetts. Lynn, Lynn, the city of sin. You never go out the way you went in. How do you spell Lynn? L-Y-N-N. -N, okay. In Massachusetts. Um, and you graduated from a private high school then? So, oh yeah. 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 Okay. You graduated from St. Mary's. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mary's, yeah. yeah. And 18 years of Latin. Jeez. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's one of the language that's, I really wish I would have taken Latin in high school. I was able to. Oh, you did. I, no, I took Russian. 
because of the Cold War. <laughs> How very timely. That was a and, good choice. Yeah, good. but I wish that I, I, I wish I, I wish I would have taken funny. Latin. That's uh, I, you know, I don't. Russia. Anyway, I was concerned about the communists. I guess I could study Latin later. I'm not dead yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course maybe, you can study keep, Latin anytime you want. Yeah. Keep, keep, uh, keeps me young, maybe. Now, one of my mentees is studying Latin right now. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Mark, uh, how did you get interested in philosophy? Were you always interested in that as a kid? Well, my interest in philosophy came through my desire to become a priest. Uh, okay. All right. Um, when, did, when did that develop? How, how uh, that developed you? in high school. That developed in high school, St. Mary's Boys High School in Lynn, Massachusetts. Um, you every, do. Year, every year we had a. That's um, amazing because you were going through puberty at that time. I'm amazed. I'm, I'm amazed. I'm imagining you were going through some puberty. <laughs> you look like you have had some testosterone going through your body <laughs> at some point. <laughs> so probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, you, okay. you were. It didn't bother you that that would be a vow of celibacy. You know, that's a funny question. I'm glad you asked that one, Lucas, because at the time to, to earn money to go to the seminary uh, after I graduated from uh, from high school, I had a job as a short order cook in the Jewish delicatessen and Mel and Murray Cohen on Lewis Street in Lynn, Massachusetts, Mel and Murray, uh, Mel and Murray Cohen. And they I don't know if it's still there, but anyway, uh, they, they used to joke around with me uh, while we were making sandwiches and blintzes and kishki and uh, <laughs> roast beef and all that. Stuff. And they would say to me things like, you know, being Jewish, you know, giving up ham, giving up uh, this, this is not, not too difficult, but giving up the woman, <laughs> giving up the woman. What are you, what are you crazy or something like this? What? <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of the deli? The Coen's that had Mel and Murray's delicatessen on Lewis street in Lynn, Massachusetts. Mel uh, is a woman's name. Huh? No, was, Mel was no Mel uh, Melvin Melvin and his brother Murray. Okay, they were brothers. Okay. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. These days you have to ask. Yeah, I know. Mel yeah, and Murray. So that was my second job uh, to uh, to earn money. I, I dug graves in the morning at the Catholic cemetery. Uh, wow. So I dug graves from uh, eight you were o'clock. A grave digger in high school. Grave digger. Yeah, 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 yeah. I never got <laughs> to get you interested in philosophy. I never got. I, I always wanted to play the grave digger in Hamlet, but I know nobody ever hired me to do that. I wanted you to. Had, you were the one that, that actually studied for the role. Yeah, right. Right. I have experience. I had an OJT. Right. So good, uh, good night. Uh, no wonder you were interested in philosophy. Great digging well, graves. Well, the, the thing, the thing I why, why I mentioned Mel and Murray was because they love to talk about philosophy and theology. Oh, they cool. Loved it. They just could not get enough of it. And so they would pin me against the wall about uh, uh, the Trinity and uh, the Immaculate Conception and transubstantiation. Oh, wow. And they battered me from all sides. And by the way, there was a Russian student who was also a short order cook. He actually worked in the deli and uh, he he was doing his Ph.D. at the time. Uh, what? In, in oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so he battered me. Uh, he beat me over the head as, as much as he possibly could and had me to, uh, uh, defend, you know, the the, the basic dogmas of of uh, of uh, uh, the Catholic Church, which, by the way, uh, uh, I uh, have always had my doubts about anyway. Um, and ultimately, I left the, the seminary and the study of the priesthood because I could not I could not accept the the uh, the, uh, the basic dogmas of immaculate conception, uh, uh, which some people call virgin birth, 
uh, transubstantiation and the Trinity. Those are the three big uh, doctrinal stumbling blocks. And so my, my progress through the seminary for what, seven years? Uh, it took me seven years to realize uh, I, I, I just uh, uh, don't believe these things and I cannot believe these things. And so that was another reason for leaving uh, besides my thesis. <laughs> so yeah. uh, anyway, the reason I mentioned this is because my interest in philosophy uh, germinated uh, when I had a desire to, to become a priest. Now, why did I have a desire to become a priest? Well, every year at St. Mary's Boys High School in Lynn, Massachusetts, uh, that we had an annual retreat. Now, a retreat is a cancellation of all academic classes, and you spend the whole day um, listening to a preacher or reading or studying uh, scripture or uh, uh, otherwise engaged in spiritual growth. And one, one, when I was a junior in high school, Father Thomas Reddy, R-E-D-D-Y, OMI, Oblate of Mary Immaculate. That's what OMI stands for, Oblate of Mary Immaculate. He came and he was such a galvanic, a charismatic preacher. I said, I want to be like him. I want to do the work he does. This guy is just unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. He could thrill a room. Uh, hmm like nobody I had ever seen. Wow. Uh, if you're familiar with Fulton J. Sheen, Bishop Fulton J. Sheen around the same epoch, uh, he was at no. that level, at that particular level of, of preaching. And uh, so he, uh, he guided me at, uh, to enter the Oblates of Mary Immaculate. I went away to Newburgh, New York, to the Minor Seminary, uh, then to the Novitiate in Tewksbury, and then to the Scholasticate in Washington, D.C., um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so you said that you reject the Trinity, the Immaculate Conception, and what was the other one? The third uh, one? Transubstantiation. Transubstantiation, okay. Which is uh, hocus pocus. Uh, uh, well, uh, bread and wine. Is Protestants no disagree with that one too, I think. Yeah. Uh, but, but Protestants will agree with the Immaculate Conception and the Trinity. Um, so, okay, yeah, well, you definitely can't be a priest. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you don't believe in Father, Son, no, Holy Spirit. We're, we're, everyone's in agreement on that story. Yeah, we're do, you, do you believe? That. Do you believe that uh, God exists? I, uh, you know, uh, I'm glad you asked that question because I, I was really looking forward to talking about this. Mm -hmm. uh, my concept of God has evolved to ends qua ends, E N S Q U A, uh, uh, mm -hmm. ends qua ends, E N S. Is that how you uh, say it in Latin? Qua instead of qua. qua? Yeah, qua. Uh, the translation is being as being. My problem with most theologies and most concept of God is they're anthropomorphic. They're anthropomorphic. Um, and uh, the, uh, uh, they give rise to religions and religions give rise to, uh, to uh, divisiveness. You have uh, even within a, a branch of religion, even within the Catholic Church, within the Protestant community, within the Jewish community, within the Islamic community, whatever religion you're talking about, you have what? Warfare, killing. Uh, 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 it, it's, it's just divisive. So I have backed away from affiliating with any kind of anthropomorphic definition of God. My definition of God is ends qua ends, being as being. Because something cannot come from nothing. Thomas Aquinas was right about this, uh, based upon Aristotle. Uh, uh, something cannot come from nothing. Obviously, there is something 
obviously. Otherwise, I wouldn't be saying the word obviously. You wouldn't right. be laughing. Uh, so obviously, there's something rather than nothing. And that something is being itself, ends qua ends, being itself. So if you ask me if I believe in God, I don't believe in any conventional God I've ever heard of, no. Okay, so nothing personal, no, no. personal being? No, 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 no. How do you, how do you explain personhood, personhood as, a, as a phenomenon that needs to be explained? It's a, a personhood, I'm writing my autobiography, by the way, and the title of that is uh, Sleepwalking with Certainty. Um, my notion is that we walk through life with the certainty of a sleepwalker. Now, uh, if you know anything about uh, somnambulism, which is sleepwalking, uh, if you know anything about that, you realize that sleepwalkers um, uh, proceed with absolute certainty uh, in their activities, whatever they do. They, they, they're absolutely certain about you know, getting up and, and uh, peeing out the window or whatever they do, uh, <laughs> strange things that they do, uh, they do it without absolute certainty. That's why you ought not to wake them up. You ought not to wake them up. We'll really? That, right? You ought not to woke them. Uh, oh. Don't woke them in the middle of their uh, sleepwalking. So what happens if, they, if you wake them up? Well, that's, they get confused and, and they get violent. They, some of them get very violent. Some of them get confused. Some of them uh, go into uh, comas. Uh, it's not a pretty what? thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> not goodness. a pretty thing. So anyway, oh, wait, my, hold on. How come you studied this? Do you, you have this condition? What? Or did right. you know somebody that had this condition? No, 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 no. But I'm just interested in. Okay. That was just. Uh, uh, well, I was looking for a good title for my autobiography. It's something that sit to as a. Good oh, okay. I got you. I got you. As a good description for the way I proceeded through life, well, I've jumped through open windows and open doors. Uh, uh, you know, humans humans make plans, and that's yes. the surest proof of the existence of a humorous God. I think uh, mm -hmm. it was uh, uh, George <laughs> Bernard Shaw said that that that, oh, okay. that the surest proof of the existence of a hysterically funny God is endowment with the humans to make plans. And yeah. I subscribe to that, to that idea. Okay. But that doesn't tell us uh, though, how do you explain personhood, uh, a person arising from non-person? And I, I'm not sure how you get that. Like what you must've thought about this. You've been teaching for 53 years. Yeah. So how uh, do you, I mean, do you think that personhood is a real thing that needs to be? Explained? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. There are, there are persons. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. Do, what do you think a person is? What, what's a, what do you, how do you define a personhood? A person is an individual that has a uniqueness called a soul. Ooh. And, and that soul uh, exists uh, for in, all, in, of all of eternity. It is both infinite and eternal. It is. It always has existed. It exists now, and it always will exist. Okay. It I cannot be destroyed. Cannot okay. Be destroyed. So you you are a dualist in terms of uh, mind body. You believe, or how would you say it? Soul body, maybe. Well, I'm not a dualist in the sense I don't believe in separate substances. I believe that the soul and uh, the, the material, what we call the material universe and what we call the spiritual and the non-material universe are really one universe, ends qua ends, being as being. So I don't, I'm not a, a dualist in that sense. I'm not a dualist in the Platonic sense. I'm not a dualist in the Aristotelian sense or even the, uh, the Chardinian sense. I, I, I'm a monist because I believe that existence is, being is, and non-being is not. 
We okay. are here. We are here. And we are here as unique individuals. There is no one else on the planet ever before like Lucas Mather. There never was, there is a not now, and there never will be in the future. Gotcha. And I've always been in existence and I will never cease is what you think. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> and the, the, uh, the distinction between material and, and or physical material and uh, spirit, what we might call spirit or soul or, uh, or this, uh, the individual person, that's 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 a uh, it appears to be real but it's not real the difference between oh, matter and spirit we, we make the mental distinction but the mental distinction does not necessarily translate into an ontological or existential uh, uh distinction so no we do use the word soul we do use the word spirit we do use those words and and uh, they do signify uh uh a a a, uh, a mental category that we create uh, so, so very but much the like, ma mental category doesn't map onto reality. Uh, mental categories don't necessarily map onto reality. They right. certainly can, and and in many cases, uh, Plato's whole structure of of ideas, his whole structure of forms, mm -hmm. uh, uh, certainly maps out to reality. Yes. Uh, oh, uh, so you you agree with his? Oh yes, yes. Theory of forms. Believe, yeah, I, so I'm an objectivist in the sense that I believe in objective reality, which is the basis of my philosophy of education. Gotcha. Uh, which, Would you say uh, you're a idealist then? Uh, well, I, uh, uh, I, I, I agree with it? I agree with Alfred North Whitehead that all of philosophy after Plato is merely a footnote. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, I have the greatest respect for Plato because I thought he got it right. I thought he got it right. Uh, when, when you read his dialogue where, he, uh, where, he, where Socrates leads a slave boy in the market to identify properly the Pythagorean theorem, uh, and this slave boy has never had any formal education whatsoever, but by skillful questioning, uh, Socrates is able to elicit the, uh, the Pythagorean theorem. Now, the Pythagorean theorem uh, is not only a theorem an to explain an any physical right triangle. Uh, but it is also the definition of right triangularity. In other words, I believe with Plato that, that the Pythagorean theorem would be true even if there were no right triangles in existence, in material existence, even if there was no material world that we can perceive and smell and taste and touch with our senses. Right. Nevertheless, the Pythagorean theorem, A squared plus B squared equals C squared, would be factually, objectively true no matter how you think about your genitalia but the the material world you don't really think is different from the that that world you're talking about right that's right that's, that's, right. that's right that's right that's right. right that's right that's interesting um i don't think i've ever met somebody that has that view i've i think i've read somebody that has that view i think i i read i'm, I'm actually not sure about that now that i think about <laughs> it okay well it might be that um, Michael Jubian, do you know that name? Michael no, Jubian? I don't know that name. No, I don't. He's a Platonist. He used to teach oh. at UC Davis. And I, oh. I, I appreciated his book on metaphysics, uh, mm -hmm. which it's probably out of print now. But he has a chapter in there on numbers, which I, I was. Mm -hmm. And I think he, t he interacts with the Mino. You were just talking about the Platonic dialogue, the Mino, which is Socrates, if you don't know, is the 
is the main character in many Plato, many of Plato's writings. Hmm. Plato himself is never a main character in the in the in his write his own writings. He always right. he likes to use Socrates and other people to uh, master of dialogue. Teach, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of cool. So when did when's the first time you read a Plat- Platonic dialogue? Was it at high school? Or? I had a very good education. I am so grateful. You did. To my parents and my teachers, my mentors. Uh, I have no regrets whatsoever. One of my mentors also taught me that regret is the interest paid on a debt that you never owed in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I subscribe to that. But my first experience with, uh, with philosophy actually was in a Latin class in high school, Sister Mary Carita at St. Mary's Boys High School. And she was teaching us Cicero's uh, uh, orations against Catiline. How long, O Catiline, will this unbridled boldness of yours continue to display itself? I can still recall the Latin and the English translation of the opening line from the Philippic, uh, the Philippic orations of, of Cicero. But Cicero was the, the entry point of philosophy. Uh, what was her name again? Sister what? Sister Mary Corita, C-O-R-I-T-A, Sister, Sister of St. Joseph, uh, Sister of St. Joseph. And uh, the whole school had nuns in it. Uh, she was were, teaching Cicero. She was teaching Latin and using Cicero because we had gotcha. to. Read, we have to read Latin. We have to read Caesar. In freshman year, we read uh, uh, Julius Caesar's Gallic Wars in Latin, and we had to translate. Okay, and then in the second year, oh we started. Gosh. We started on Cicero, um, and uh, uh, we worked our way through uh, through Tertullian and, and other other lesser known uh, individuals how many but, how many boys were in this class oh uh my high school latin class oh i want to say no more than 15 people no more than 15 people five zero or one five sorry oh, one five i'm sorry one five okay yeah, yeah that's yeah. a small class well it was what, a private school and it only cost 125 dollars per <laughs> year for tuition uh, I had to live at home, uh, which was fine. Was and that a I lot think, of money back then? Oh, are you kidding? 1960. Yeah, I graduated. It was a lot of money, school. right? A lot of money. But I, yeah. that's why I dug graves in the morning and I, I, I made short, I made, uh, I was a short order cook at a Jewish delicatessen in the afternoon and the evening. Yeah. To earn the money. Mark, do you have any siblings? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, I have step siblings. Uh, my mother had three children, all by different uh, men. Oh. So I have a stepbrother who is deceased, and I have a stepsister. Did, were you close with your your siblings? Mm, not especially. No, okay. I was a very independently minded individual. I couldn't wait to get out into the big wide world. Uh, I couldn't <laughs> yeah. wait to leave Salem, Massachusetts, with its uh, superstitions and witchcraft and and uh, nonsense that's still there oh yeah salem actually has a witch uh, an official witch she it's it's an actual government post she has an office she has an office she has a car a witch car she has a car why does it just fly around in a broom yeah but (laughs) (laughs) yeah well uh, ask uh uh, is it a she is it a she uh, uh, well the last time i checked it was a she well at least it looked like a she it i you know without examining (laughs) i can't tell you and i'm not going to do that okay what 
Was she green? Sorry. No, I don't know. Wizard of Oz, you know. But I'm look sorry. it up. Google Google the Salem witch. There's an official witch. And uh, so I. I That's I, crazy. I couldn't, to, I couldn't wait to get out to the big wide world because I had uh, I had teachers in high school. How do they get around separation of church and state? That would seem to be a religion. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess I guess we have chaplains. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, I, I, before I, I want to ask you this, because we have to it's just a human question um were any of the nuns that taught you attractive and did that cause any kind of discussion (laughs) or anything like that well you know why they call them nuns (laughs) i don't know where you're going with this (laughs) the reason they call them nuns is they don't have none don't get none and don't want none nuns all right Okay, we got that out of the way, just in uh, case people are wondering about what Sister Mary Carita looked like. Um, well, she was not a very attractive woman. Whether I can she that much. Distra- uh, well, you were very focused on Cicero, and you were able to focus yes, on Cicero. Yes, so. I love Cicero. I guess that's good. Um, so you, you, when you went to the Catholic University in D.C., yeah. Um, did you uh, you stepped foot on that campus and you thought I'm a philosophy major? Did you, or did you discover you were a philosophy major later? No, I was a seminarian studying for the Catholic priesthood who was actually majoring in philosophy. That's the way I looked at it. Oh, okay. And you knew you're yeah. going to have to major in philosophy to do this. Oh yeah, part of the curriculum for uh, processing through to the priesthood takes about eight to eight to nine years to become a priest uh, after high school. Um, and, uh, 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 that's part of the, the curriculum. The first thing you do is you go to the first level is called the junior seminary, where you finish your uh, college, uh, first two years of college, you get your AA degree in humanities or philosophy, whatever it is. Then you go to novitiate, which is one year of no academics whatsoever, only prayer, meditation, fasting, manual labor, chanting of the office. That's it. That's all you do for one solid year. And of course, they're looking at you to find out if you really are material that they want to invest a lot in. And you're looking at them to say, uh, do I really believe all of this uh, stuff that they're talking Mm -hmm. about to me? Do I really believe it? And uh, then you go to the major seminary, which was in Washington, D.C. at Catholic University, uh, Oblate College, uh, O-B-L-A-T-E, Oblate College. And that's where I was studying as a seminarian, majoring in philosophy. And then you have to you have to get a BA in philosophy, then you have to get an MA in philosophy, and then you you can be sent anywhere to get a PhD or an LLD or a JD or they didn't have EDDs in those days, by the way. They, <laughs> they were, yeah, um, we're getting to that. We're going to get to that in a second. Um, well, how was this funded? How was your college education funded? Was it well, a Catholic first, fund? Or? The, I paid for it for the first two years by digging graves and, and uh, making uh, corned beef sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> Even at Catholic? Jewish, that's how you, that's how you worked your way through Catholic yeah. University? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. And then after that, after you take vows, because I was in a religious order, and people don't realize this, there's a distinction between secular priesthood and religious priesthood. Religious priests uh, and nuns and brothers, they take three vows, poverty, chastity, and obedience. Secular priests, uh, they only take uh, the vow of uh, uh, obedience and chastity. Uh, They don't take the vow of poverty. A lot of people don't even realize that. 
that's how that's how uneducated uh, most Catholics are. They don't even realize that. So after after two years, when you take vows, you take temporary vows for one year at a time, and they're looking at you, and you're looking at them, and uh, you're meeting with your uh, spiritual advisor and. Uh, you're trying to figure out whether or not this is, it's like a marriage. It's like a marriage because when you're ordained a priest, I don't know how many Catholics realize this, but to uh, sarcedos in eternum, the translation of that is thou art a priest forever. Thou art a priest forever. The Catholic dogma uh, teaches that once you are ordained a priest, that, that imprints an indelible uh, character on your soul forever. It cannot, you can be defrocked, you can be laicized. I was just writing this section in my autobiography last night. You can be laicized. You can, you know, you can, found, you can be found uh, guilty of uh, some heinous ecclesiastical crime like pedophilia, and you can be defrocked, but that doesn't change the fact that you are a, 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 a priest. You are a priest forever. Tu es sarcedos in eternum. And uh, uh, this is a serious business. You, I mean, you know, I took it very seriously, and uh, I came to the end of it, and I I left. I left. What was it about being a priest that you found attractive, that you wanted to be that when you evangelizare, evangelizare misit palperibus me, which is Latin, the Latin motto for our our, our religious order, the Oblates of Mary Immaculate. Um, he has sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's the translation. Evangelizare uh, me said Paul Perry was and I believe that I, I wanted to do that. I actually went to Mexico while I was a seminarian. I got permission from Rome, unprecedented permission from Rome, to actually spend the entire summer without any ecclesiastical supervision whatsoever, building a school, uh, wow. building an elementary school in Tempual, uh, the city of Tempual, which is south south uh, would be south west of uh, Tampico and, Vera, and uh, in the province of Veracruz. And um, um, yeah, I spent, uh, I spent three months doing that. I love, wow. I love the idea of being a missionary because my understanding at that time had evolved to what is Catholicism? It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's not the Pope. It's not the Vatican. It's not the dogmas. It's not transubstantiation. It's not Trinity. It's not eating meat on Friday or not eating meat on Friday. It's not cardinals, it's not bishops, it's not archbishops, it's not Monsignor. Catholicism is the Sermon on the Mount. Evangelizare misit pauperibus. He has sent me to preach the gospel to the core. The core element to me of Christianity is there. That's right. You don't need to read anything more than the Sermon on the Mount. It's right there. Do that and you are a Christian, in my view. I don't care if you're baptized or unbaptized, circumcised or uncircumcised, I don't care. You follow that plan, you're a Christian. Okay. Um, how did you learn? How, how did you figure out that you wanted to be a philosophy professor then? <laughs> well, that was, that was uh, relatively easy. Uh, uh, after I realized, hold on. What? What? Sorry. One more question. I, I I forgot. This guy that you were a coworker with, getting a PhD in philosophy. Where was he getting his PhD? Boston uh, Boston University. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. You mean was... you mean the guy the guy who worked with me in, in the delicatessen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was at Boston University. Yeah. 
<laughs> wow. And later on, I had a lot of friends at Boston University when I was actually teaching at Westfield State College. I had a lot of friends there, so but I never ran into him again. His name was Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-N, Vaughn. Yeah. I just Do you remember what he name. was specializing in. What's that? Do you remember what he was specializing in? Uh, no, but from the drift of his conversations, which I can recall, he was definitely a philosophy of science uh, uh, person, uh, an empiricist. Uh, okay. I don't know if it was philosophy of physics or philosophy of science. Generally speaking, that I don't know. That I do not know. Hmm. I, okay. I can't remember if he ever told me. Gotcha. So you uh, you realized you wanted to teach philosophy because you had obviously thought about it quite a bit. Yeah, and I loved it. I mean, I, I loved uh, my, my thesis on Kierkegaard uh, was relevatory in the sense that it, it opened my mind to the limits of reasoning um, and the, the, uh, the thresholds of faith. Uh, it opened my mind to both corridors and those corridors run parallel to each other uh, in my view. So that uh, I was... I couldn't wait to, to get into a classroom. I could not wait to get into a classroom. And I've, that's how I formulated my philosophy of education. My philosophy of education is based upon the trivium and the quadrivium. And we can go into that uh, a little bit if you want to. But sure. that, that's, yeah, what is that? Well, the trivium, the trivium and the quadrivium uh, are, uh, form the basic core curriculum of the uh, medieval university. University of Padua, the University of Paris, uh, the University of Salamanca. Uh, it, uh, those are the three, three original universities and uh, their curriculum was the trivium. Uh, trivium meaning three ways, uh, T-R-I-V-I-U-M, trivium, which means three ways. Those were, when you walked in the door, when you walked into the door, your first day of class or your first year of class uh, was spent studying Three, only three, three topics, trivium, grammar, rhetoric, and logic. Why? The reasoning was, if you don't know how to use your own language to express yourself, if you cannot read your own language intelligibly and comprehensively, and if you cannot reason using the faculties of logic, why in, the, why in the world are we going to teach you anything about uh, biology or zoology or physics? Or uh, You're not going to be able to understand anything because you, you, you can't think, you can't read, you can't understand. So the trivium was the very first thing. Compare that to what happens today in universities. Logic is no longer even taught. Rhetoric is no longer even taught. Yeah. And you, you so, can find, yeah, you can find a logic class usually. But, you can if you look. But, hard but I have no, I don't think I've ever seen a rhetoric class. Right, right. Well, I taught philosophy. Well, at the end of my career at Santa Barbara City College for twenty three years, I taught uh, a critical thinking and writing, which is basically a logic and a rhetoric class. So, uh, and that's I, I wrote my own textbook uh, for that, um, and used that in my class. Anyway, so uh, the, what is the, the, the quadrivium? So after you spend a whole year studying grammar, rhetoric, and logic, now you can read and write and you can think and you can argue and you can speak. You can do all, all of those things. The same. Then uh, uh, the rest of your university was devoted to what's called the quadrivium, uh, meaning four disciplines or four ways. And those were arithmetic, astronomy, music, and geometry. 
What's the thinking there? What's the thinking there? Well, just like the thinking about the trivium, these were perceived to be, by the founders of, of, of our university system, these were perceived to be the basic core things that you needed to know in order to understand your world. You needed to be able to count. You needed to be able to know your place in the cosmos. That's astro astronomy. You needed to understand music, which is pure mathematics, and you needed to understand geometry. Then you were ready to study you could study anything. If you had a, that education of the trivium and the quadrivium, you could then study medicine, law, finance, physics, biology, zoology, whatever happened to interest you. That was the whole idea. How far but, away we have come from that idea. Yeah. How far away. I think a lot of people would be puzzled by the quadrivium. Mm -hmm. The trivium makes sense, I think, yeah. but, but no, music... I mean, yeah. Does that mean you study with an instrument or you master uh, an instrument with, with or without? You can study music uh, as mathematics, as pure math. Uh, one of the things I used to do in my classes, I don't know if you've seen those. Kind of like uh, studying construction just by looking at the wall, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen those videos where music is uh, uh, is visualized where they, they have like a, a, a keyboard and the, the notes pop up uh, uh, as illuminated lights. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but uh, as my classes would, uh, as my, my students would enter the classroom, I would have this on the big screen playing uh, Johann Sebastian Bach's uh, concerto or, uh, or Mozart or Beethoven, always classical music, no rap music, no jazz music, no nothing, no nada, none, none of that nonsense. I would okay. have purely mathematical music playing for my students when they enter the classroom and they appreciated it. They appreciate uh, it. And the notes would be available for them to, what, what if you can't read music? I guess that would be a way for you to, well, learn. you could read it and see it at the same time. You'd actually see the music. You could okay. see the note because above the piano keyboard was, was a, 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 a moving graph, a graphic. So it would uh, appear as the, the sound appeared. Stuck. What's that? It would visually appear as the yes, sound. Yes, appears. yeah, the visualization of music. Yes, yes, nice. that's, that's, that's I, great. There's a word for it: chroma, chromatic, chroma key. I don't. Is know it on it. YouTube? Where? How do you get? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll oh, send it's you on a YouTube. Link. I'll send you a oh, link. Oh yeah, I'll that's great. Link. I'm gonna check it's, that it's, out. It's breathtaking. It's I can't breathtaking. Read it's absolutely breathtaking, and it, it it impresses the student with the idea. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Someone figured this out. This is pure <laughs> mathematics. You. Remember the movie uh, uh, Mozart, where Mozart is talking to uh, uh, the the emperor, uh, the Bavarian emperor, and uh, after Mozart, after the, the emperor uh, 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 reviewed and, and attended Mozart's latest uh, opera, and then after they're on the stage together, and the emperor says, "Mozart, that was that was that was great. That was a terrific opera. That was terrific." And then a little Italian, uh, uh, a jealous Italian composer in the back of the emperor whispers in the emperor's ears, there were too many notes, majesty. So the emperor says, well, you know, Mozart, there were um, too many notes. Yes, that was the problem, but it's just too many notes. And you should probably just, just cut a few. And Mozart looks at the, at the emperor and he says, really, which notes should I cut? emperor if i cut one note the whole thing falls to pieces that's an understanding of of how mathematically pure 
music. Is. Are you talking about the film uh, Amadeus? Yes, Amadeus, right. Okay, I haven't seen it. Oh! Spoiler alert. Put that on your... <laughs> but that's the only movie I know about, about oh, uh, Mozart. Well, you'll get to that scene, believe me. It looks, cre- it looks creepy. The The cover always... The, the cover of that always yeah. turns me away. It's because it's yeah. so creepy well, looking. It looks like a, a horror movie or something. Yeah, he was kind of a... He was not a... He was kind of a weird guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. He was now, weird. Yeah. You you uh you have taught in Massachusetts uh, yeah. a couple different places. I've taught at uh, following places, uh, Westfield State uh, College, which is now a university. I taught and I was in Massachusetts. Uh, I've taught at uh, uh, University of Phoenix in Oxnard, Massachusetts, uh, Oxnard, California. I've taught at uh, Antioch University in Santa Barbara in California. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. Antioch in Antioch uh, University. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there's Oxnard and then Santa Barbara. Did, right. did you mention Santa Barbara City College? Uh, no, I forgot that. <laughs> that was the last 23 years. Yeah. I, that's... Santa Barbara. That's the only government school besides Westfield. Okay. So you have two right. government schools. Right. Two government schools. So my career teaching is bookended by government schools. Yeah uh 23 years were you full-time at santa barbara no 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 i was adjunct i love the word adjunct because you know (laughs) you can go to a cocktail party and and some 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 person will say well what do you do i say well i'm i'm uh adjunct professor of philosophy you say (laughs) they go oh you're adjunct philosophy professor Oh, that's very, very impressive. You know, <laughs> the foggiest idea what adjunct means. It means you're part time. <laughs> yeah. What was it like being an adjunct professor at Santa Barbara City College for 23 years? Well, the first 20 years, it was great. It was a great school. Uh, it uh, was nationally what, what, recognized as a great one. The, one of the top. It was actually named the number one uh, 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 city college in America. Really? Yeah, yeah. What year was that? I was uh, well before I left. And who named that it <laughs> that way? 2015, 2015. 2015. Who who named it that? Uh, the uh, the Aspen Institute of Aspen, Colorado. Uh, a bunch of academics uh, get together and hand out these uh, awards and designations. So it wasn't the NRA that named it that. No, no. Okay, just had to clarify. No, 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 no. Best community college. Yeah, number one in the country. Yeah, yeah. So they oh, obviously yeah. had not been to Compton College if they named it. Right, right. So for the first 20 years, it was a great place to work, to teach. Uh, I had a department chairman who allowed me to disagree uh, and be disagreeable about it, by the way. And he didn't oh. mind at all. He was a true, true philosopher. We disagreed on everything. We famously debated the existence of God. Was he an atheist? Uh, what was he? Oh, he a rabid atheist. Oh, rabid, rabid atheist. Oh, yes, yes. He enjoyed, uh, he enjoyed uh, taking God away from little cupcake girls uh, in in class. Yeah, he really. It, let me let me guess. He loved President Reagan. How did you know that? <laughs> How did you know that? That's just, you're just shocker, right. shocker. Right? Yeah. yeah did I he did really? You? Yes. Yes. He did. He was a Republican. Yes. Oh. Well, he wasn't a Republican, but he liked Ronald Reagan because Ronald Reagan. Reagan was like his grandfather, resembled his grandfather. Oh, yeah. But otherwise, he was, I was a, being sarcastic. 
Yeah. Uh, Was he a Democrat? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, of the of the Marxist persuasion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just being sarcastic. No, no, you're right. He actually admired Ronald Reagan. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. What did he like about Reagan? Just just the fact that he reminded him of his grandpa. Uh, oh, grandpa. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. That that Reagan was nice, as opposed to Trump, who's not nice. He's mean. Oh. And yeah. so yeah, we don't mean. like mean people. No, we don't like mean people. No, 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 no. And George Bush, I'm sure, was mean oh, too, right? He, didn't like Bush. he was really mean. Of course, you know, when when Trump was elected after a few years, then um, then people started looking back fondly at Bush. What did we not like about him again? Oh, you know, he was a pretty nice guy. Well, things when things came off the rails. Um, I'm glad you brought this up because this really is the capstone of my career. Mm. Um, things were fine up until uh, 2016. And in the 2016, I had invented the philosophy colloquium um, at Santa Barbara City College, where we would invite uh, internal uh, faculty members to present papers, mainly papers on topics that I disagreed with. Uh, but I was only the moderator. I didn't participate as a as a speaker. I only moderated. I only solicited people, brought them together, got them paid. By the way, got a modest stipend for them uh, to actually do this. Really? Uh, yeah, the college That's president gave me $6,000 to to actually pay people to express their views. Anyway. That's unheard of the, on a community college campus. I know, I know, I That's know. That's unheard of. So in 2016, uh, I invited, or was it 17? I think it was 17, 2007. I invited uh, Michael Shermer, the notorious and infamous uh, uh, atheist. Yeah. I invited Michael Shermer, uh, who's we call himself a skeptic, but yeah, yeah, but but he's he, no, he also acknowledges he's an atheist. He's not, yeah, he's an atheist. He's a big big pal of uh, Dawkins, and and he chums around with those guys. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, you know, uh, through a mutual friend, I got introduced to Michael, and I invited him to give. He was he just had a new book come out, um, Heavens on Earth. That was the name of the book, Heavens on Earth, which was an exploration of of people's concepts of heaven. Sorry, okay. I'm having trouble hearing. Oh, can you say that again? That's uh, that's uh, uh, one of my electronic devices has been listening to this. <laughs> oh no! Did you get in trouble? No, 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 no. Did you say something incorrect? the iPhone eight. This is unbelievable. This is, this is one of these devices just chatting away, giving me information. Was obviously uh. triggered by something that I said. Uh, any case, so so I, I had Michael Shermer uh, come to you know promote his book and to uh, give a, a a lecture on his book, you know, because he thinks that people's beliefs in heaven are just ridiculous, nonsensical, mm -hmm. absurd, right, foolish. So you know, uh, uh, well, anyway, what happened was the morning of that. Uh, it was a big event because Michael's a big name. So having Michael Shermer. Uh, speak at Santa Barbara City College. It was a big thing. So we got a hold of the biggest theater we could find, uh, the Garvin, the Garvin uh, Theater. <coughs> it was supposed to seat <coughs> about 150 people. Were, no, you able, were you able to pay Michael Shermer for showing uh, up? Actually, no, but we did uh, allow him to uh, sell his books in the lo uh, lobby. That was the agreement okay. we had with Michael. Uh, and uh, we had a local bookstore, Chaucer's Bookstore, uh, they uh, supplied the books and they manned the table and it was all set up in the lobby. It was wonderful. It was great. The, pro the fly in the ointment was a chemistry professor, the chair of the chemistry department, um, a lady by the name of Rayanne Napoleon, 
right? PhD in chemistry, who, by the way, never took a course in philosophy. Uh, she confessed to a, a symposium, so. another symposium that I ran. She never took a course in philosophy, and yet she has a PhD. And I asked her, I said, what does the PhD mean? And you know what she What's said? What's the PhD part mean? She said, she said, no. She said, I don't know. I don't know. It was something that happened a long time ago. Oh, jeez. Anyway, I think pH means the balance of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. The acid and the base. Yeah, exactly. No, it uh, means doctor of philosophy. Right, 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 right. What right. it means. That's what's well, on anyway, your, that's she, what's on your damn diploma. I know. She didn't read the diploma. She never took a course in philosophy. Anyway, she so you have the so trivium. She, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. She she issued a campus wide email warning people, especially women. Oh, Not God. to be found alone with Michael Shermer, either before or after the wait, election. Wait, was she a Christian? No. Okay, so what does she have against uh, Michael Femin Shermer, the well, atheist? So, uh, this was part of the Me Too movement where these crazy feminists accused every male, anything with a penis is a rapist. That, that, that mentality, if you have a penis, you are a rapist. Okay, that was her mentality. Even though Michael Shermer's a Democrat, she doesn't. Oh, oh. Yeah. She was going. She was doing friendly fire against other Democrats. That's right. That's okay. exactly right. Right, okay. right. 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 Which makes the whole thing rather comic in a way. You're right about that, uh, Lucas. Anyway, okay. so she issues this email, and the reason that she uh, sounded the alarm was because Michael was accused, falsely accused, as it turned out, falsely accused. Uh, by a woman uh, of, of, of making uh, uh, sexual advances to this woman. There was no police report. There was no doctor's report. Uh, 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 Michael was internally investigated uh, at Chapman University where he was teaching and absolved of any wrongdoing. And, the, and, and to boot, his accuser actually appeared on stage in another seminar one month after the accusation uh, fell, fell uh, apart. I guess that's what you do when you accuse somebody of, of raping you. You appear with them on, on stage. And, and uh, anyway, so, so here's the deal. I, I, I'm diversing here. Here's the deal. So, so uh, this, 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 this uh, uh, chemistry professor who knows nothing about philosophy whatsoever um, puts out this email and warns people not to attend. Well, it was very effective. From her, government, from her government email account? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, we're getting to that. Oh, you're so, you're so insightful, Lucas. <laughs> anyway. I pay so, attention to those kind of things. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Government email, tax-funded email. She sent out a warning that, that Michael Shermer was not to be trusted. Don't be caught alone with him after the... Uh, that, that was the wording of the letter. Anyway, so I took great umbrage at this. Uh, only half of the audience was full. Uh, I... Uh, uh, I, I didn't even tell Michael Shermer uh, before the uh, before he spoke. I didn't tell him about this this horrible uh, person, um, uh, chemistry professor. I waited until after I took him out to dinner and I explained the whole thing to him. He was outraged. I was outraged, and so back and forth we started this uh, exchange of emails on campus where I denounced I denounced this whole uh, cabal. Uh, of feminists that uh, would insinuate merely because somebody was accused of rape 
then therefore they had no right to uh, uh, speak uh, at a college campus on a topic they were qualified to speak uh, on their book. Anyway, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And that began the, that began the, uh, 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 the fact that I realized I had a target on my back. Uh, my old department chairman had resigned by that uh, of chance, and a new department chairman uh, was on a campaign to uh, uh, not rehire me. Uh, 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 as you know, adjuncts are hired on a year-to-year -year basis, and this new department chairman, his name is Mark Bobro, um, uh, and uh, he decided that I was going to be terminated. I was not going to be rehired. Long story short, I got a lawyer. I went through five internal grievance appeals against uh, Mr. Bobro. And uh, uh, every step of the way, the college ratified, the college uh, sanctified his view that, uh, um, that uh, I should not be rehired. Uh, what were his reasons? The reasons he gave varied over the five uh, levels of, of appeal. The first level of appeal, uh, he simply said, he didn't like my Facebook postings. Uh, I mean, he wrote this down on a piece of paper, okay, which I still have, right? Now, foolish enough to write on a piece of paper. And then the second, the second valuation, the second round. Uh, so the said, government, the government doesn't like your Facebook posts. That's, that's right. What he's saying. The government doesn't like my Facebook. Because right. he's an agent of the government. At that's that right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, so, uh, so then the second round was uh, he upped the ante. Um, uh, he said uh, uh, he didn't like my comments on transgenderism. He didn't like my comments on homosexual marriage. I don't use the word gay, by the way, because there's nothing gay about it. I gay. don't either. No, I, I like the word gay. It means happy. Yeah. Anyway, so he didn't like my, my comments. Homosexual is uh, based in Greek. Yes. It uh, means uh, same, 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 sex. same. It's same a, sex. It's an adjective. I had yeah. to take Greek. I didn't take Latin, but I had to take Oh, Greek. that was good. Now, now, a lot of people don't know what you just said. They don't know yeah. that. They yeah, it just know. means same. So yeah. it's, a, it's an adjective. Right. Sometimes so, it's a so, substantive, some uh, substantival adjective, but which <laughs> so young anyway, boys know. But right. So he doesn't he doesn't like my uh, comments. And then he accuses me of assigning political, politically charged topics for term papers and essays in my critical thinking and logic class. <laughs> now, I have never, ever, ever assigned topics of any of any of my classes. I always let the students choose their own topic. For my 53 years, I have never, ever assigned a topic of a paper because I believe why, pedagogically- why would, you not, why would you not assign a topic? Because, because I believe that, 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 that if I have done my job correctly and I've explained philosophy correctly that I was studying, that they should be able to choose a topic that what, is interesting to them. Okay, okay. That's yeah. arguable, Mm -hmm. uh, that has more than one uh, valid point of view, not necessarily sound, but uh, right. uh, my goal was to teach them the distinction between validity of an argument and soundness of an argument. They're not the same things. That was my goal, because after they wrote the term paper on the topic that they wanted, guess what their final exam was? They had to refute their term paper. Uh -huh. <laughs> What if it's unrefutable? So it's because it's so there's good. no such thing as unrefutable. Everything no is such thing. Oh. No such thing is unrefutable. No, no such thing. That was the purpose of teaching. If you can refute yourself successfully, then you are a critical thinker. You understand logic. That was my view.
So anyway, uh, that I, uh, so now he says, uh, I, so the dean, the dean had to correct him and say, uh, look, uh, Professor McIntyre doesn't assign uh, topics. So he, so he relented on that. Um, and uh, the third, fourth, and fifth uh, levels, uh, he finally ended up, his last objection to my being rehired was, I did not know basic logic, I'm sorry, I did not know basic philosophical concepts. Now, I have been teaching for 53 years at this particular point. I have been evaluated by my students. Why, by why didn't you just lead with that? That's That would be the only relevant one, right? Because I know. That, that's like the most relevant one, right. actually. Wouldn't you I think, mean, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you think you, that? You that, don't know your discipline. Oh, no, that, anything that, about that's philosophy. The, that's the reason right. that you get rid of someone, right? But that, <laughs> that would be a reason you don't hire them in the first place. If, I mean, if that were true, confident I can you be? I, 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 I would have voted to fire me if that were true. Yeah. You have 20 years of experience teaching yeah. at that one institution, not to right. mention right. the, the graduate training and all these. Okay, so that's uh, this is very interesting. This is desperate. I'll send amazing you how desperate they are. It's like it's like a Kavanaugh hearing. Oh no, it's uh, you may have heard recently a, a professor uh, won a four hundred thousand uh, dollar settlement in a similar case to my case. Could he? But he was a full time professor. I'm only an adjunct. So anyway, I got a lawyer. Yeah. And um, were you on contingency with that lawyer? Fee? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, his name is Daniel Jett, and he uh, lives in San Marino or, or San Marino, San Marino in L.A. Uh, wonderful attorney. He nice contacted area. he contacted the uh, the trustees attorney, uh, Craig Price. Um the college, by the meantime, by the way, they were so alarmed because I had been booked on Tucker Carlson and I had been booked on Hannity and, and uh, Hannity's uh, 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 interview show. I had been Did you go on, on those shows? Uh, no, I didn't have oh, to okay. because they settled out of court. They gave me oh, money. They, they gave me $120,000 to go away. Hmm. Did you have to pay taxes on that? Oh, yeah. You had to pay taxes and everything. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, some you don't because like it's it's re it's some settlements are re uh, right, are making you physical, whole from from harm that you incurred. If there's physical injury involved, you don't because right. I, some strange reason I don't know what that is. Well, because it's a harm, and it, 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 the idea is that you had something; it was taken away. You're just getting. Do you know Professor Peter Peterson at Pepperdine University? I don't know him personally. I've met him a few times. I, we've peed together okay. a couple okay. times in in the uh, school of public policy, but he wouldn't know me from Adam. But you know, right. why, why? Well, the reason I mentioned him, Lucas, is because kind of weird to say it that way. But in the middle of the controversy of my being uh, not rehired, uh, the college president and the trustees uh, did not want me to use my large megaphone. I've always had a large megaphone at my disposal, um, and they didn't want me to use that megaphone to broadcast what was going on with me. So they hired Peter Peterson professor of mediation at Pepperdine University. And you could check this with him. And they paid him $5,000 a day to uh, uh, have a mediated settlement to my case. In other words, they wanted me to not go on uh, television interviews. They wanted me to uh, 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 retire. They would rip up, they would shred burn, destroy all of Mark Bobro's uh, evaluations of me, where he condemned uh, 
or condemned me. Uh, and they would list me uh, as a retired professor. In fact, if you call City College today and ask if Mark McIntyre ever worked there, they'll say, yes, he worked there from these dates and he's now retired. They would, they would not say, according to the settlement, the legal settlement that I signed with the, with the trustees, they must say that I was retired, not, not, uh, not terminated, not terminated. Correct. And Peter Peterson, uh, he made, uh, we had two meetings with uh, Professor Peterson to mediate. Uh, it was unsuccessful. And uh, at that time, my lawyer said to the attorneys for uh, uh, the trustees, well, Mark has been booked on Tucker Carlson and Hannity. So uh, the next thing you hear from him, uh, you know, make sure you dial in. Uh, that lasted only one day. The trustees uh, offered me $120,000 the next day. And I took it and I ran. Pete Peterson is a Republican. I don't know if you know that. I, I we never discussed his, his views. Never He's, discussed he was again. the last successful, almost, he was the most recent successful statewide Republican candidate. He, ah. he was running for sta secretary of state. Oh, I didn't know that. I did not know that. So, and now he's dean of the School of Public Policy. Oh, he at, is. Oh, yeah, well, at, well, at, please, at, uh, please congratulate him if you run into no, him in the laboratory. Or I don't what? know if you've ever been up there, but it's a beautiful I've campus. Been, oh no, I I used to live in LA, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, it's great. I taught at Pepperdine for over a decade, and I taught at the Seaver College, which is the undergraduate college. But I would oftentimes do my grading up in the library up there. The at the school of public policy walk around and uh, get stalked by whatever mountain lions happen to be up there. Yeah. But it's great. Um, what would, did you live in Santa Barbara? I, I live here now. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, for yeah. 23, the 23 oh, yeah, years, yeah, the 23 years I've lived here. Yeah. So you didn't, did you have a big commute to get to campus or was it uh, well, local? Well, I, I lived about four blocks away from the campus. Oh, did you walk? Uh, I, sometimes I did. Sometimes I, I rode my motorcycle. Sometimes I took my bike. Sometimes I walked. Yeah. Wow. That sounds great. Yeah. No, it was great. It was great. And so you taught critical thinking and logic. Right. Did you ever teach any other courses there while you were there? Yes. Before you retired? City College. Yes. I taught uh, philosophy of ethics. Ethics. Uh, introduction to philosophy, ethics. Uh, but do, 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 what else? Uh, oh, yeah. Logic 205, which is a uh, upper level logic class. Mind you, this is a person who doesn't understand basic concepts. Just teaching, <laughs> teaching logic upper level. <laughs> logic 205, is that symbolic logic? Yeah. Or what was that? Symbolic uh -huh. logic, yeah. 19 rules of inference. 19 rules of inference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, so ethics intro to philosophy and then logic and critical thinking, which is a, the first right. year court. And that's a lot of writing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The I had uh, uh, let's see. I had two essays, uh, two essay, four exams, two essays, one term paper, and one final refutation. Everybody had to refute their term paper in order to get a grade in the class. T if tell me, know, tell me again what the what those were. How many how many exams? Oh, I had uh, uh, four exams, uh, two essays, mm -hmm. uh, one term paper, and one final exam. How long was the term paper? Uh, six to 10 pages, but the refutation could only be three pages. Only three. Okay. And the final exam was a in-class exam? Uh, uh, it was a take-home. Take oh, okay. Yeah. The four exams were in-class? Uh, they were online. 
They were oh, online. Exam. Okay. I, I pioneered the, I pioneered, uh, I invented the online version of critical thinking and writing philosophy 111 for Santa Barbara city college. I, I, I you I were one of, you were the first online professor there for that particular class. Yes. I gotcha. Yeah. I was the first philosophy professor at Moorpark College in Ventura oh, County. Oh, yeah. One down that oh, right. got yeah. certified to teach online. Yeah. 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 And I'm not necessarily proud of that. <laughs> I, I just don't. I'm, I'm, what do you think about online education? Well, as it turns out, uh, Lucas, uh, I mean, here really, we are I'm doing teaching. it right now, but. You know, no, I'm teaching. It's not really. I'm, still, I'm still teaching. I'm still teaching. Uh, one of my students has built me a platform, markmcintyre.com. It's a teaching website. And I, I'm teaching the same course that I taught at City College. I'm teaching only online. And I've condensed it from 16 weeks to four weeks. Hmm. I have a cap of 25 students per month. They roll over every month. I uh, get new students every month. They pay me directly $125 uh, for, the, for the class. They're not interested in a degree. They're not interested in a grade. All they want is the knowledge. My student body, cool. uh, 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 the oldest person that I have in class right now is an 82-year-old Harvard lawyer who never studied logic. Um, uh, they don't That's teach cool. logic. They don't teach logic in, 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 in no. uh, uh, law colleges. Yeah. And the youngest one is- And they don't require it to no. get in. <laughs> that is forbidden. That's just actually <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we saw that with the most recent Supreme Court. Hey, I can't define woman. It's uh, weird. Yeah, yeah. She didn't seem to be bothered by it either. No, I'm proud of it. That was that was oh, the most disturbing proud. part about it to oh, me. Yeah, proud. Yeah. Anyway, so it's uh, okay. Tell us your website again. What is it, Mac Mark? Uh, Mark, it's, it's my name, my full name, with no spaces. M A R K M C I N T I R E, just as it is on the screen there. Uh, no spaces though. Um, we'll, link, we'll link it in the description. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you very Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Um, well, again, I want to thank you for that's, sharing your audience with me. I think, yeah, that's uh, a, that's a valuable, uh, for one twenty five. that that's, yeah, that's not yeah. bad. And I, anybody I, who needs the knowledge, if you just want, and you cap it at, at 25, because that's right. what you think is manageable for well, the, yeah, the workload, you know, uh, it, it takes a lot. There are a lot of student conferences. Every student gets 15 minutes every week of video conference with me, every single student. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. And so. you're grading and are you. Are you, you're obviously interacting with their written work at some point? Yeah, they, they, there are four exams, just like the old days, just like the in-class, there were four exams, and they're all done automatically online. So you can, you can keep taking the exam until you get them all right, by the way. I don't really care about, you know, I'm not, I'm not obsessed with grading. Um, and uh, the, the point is learning rather than uh, or scoring, if you can use that expression. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, the only things I really have to look at are the term papers and the essays. That's time consuming. That's very, that cannot be done automatically. I have not figured out a way to do that. How, how does the grading work? Do you give them a grade or? I do if they want one. Uh, most <laughs> of them don't care. I, most of them don't want it, uh, don't need it. Um, uh, but by the way, they, the, 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 it is being used by homeschool students. I noticed on your website, you've been interviewing a lot of people on your website. You've had a lot of great conversations with people uh, uh, who are in the homeschool business. And mm -hmm. the, uh, 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 there's an emerging, there's an emerging uh, entrepreneurial market uh, for yes. people 
uh, people that way. And um, uh, people are, are uh, building their own schools. They're making their own schools, K through university. Um, and any people don't realize anybody can create a school. You, you just write a letter to the Secretary of State of, the, of California or whatever state you're in. You say, hey, I'm starting a school. I did not know that. Yep. Just oh, send them a letter. I'm starting a school. Bye bye. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's a compulsory school attendance uh, in California. You have to be 19. You have to be schooled for, for at least 19 years. But it, but the Constitution cannot cannot specify that you need to go to a public school. You can go to oh. any school, any school. You can invent your own school. That's awesome. Okay. So there might be a lot more freedom for homeschoolers in California than a oh, lot of people yes. realize. Okay. Oh, yes. Interesting. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, we have uh, two. What well, we had Dr. Brian Ray on, who is uh, the, the head of NERI in Oregon, which is right. the National Home Education Research Institute. Yes. And yes. Um, he calls it home-based education because homeschooling has a strange, but he says it's really home-based and there's so much that you can do. And uh, there is a nationwide movement. And I think, Mark, you are a key part of that because you could be a key part of that because of the quadrivium and the trivium. You experienced that firsthand yourself right. and you obviously value it. And there's a lot of people that want to tap into your logic and critical thinking skills. So well, I think you, you will never be out of work. <laughs> I, no. I, I think. In fact, I have something has just uh, uh, come my way. I've been appointed as the executive director for an educational institute called STOA, S-T-O-A. Hmm. Um, STOA. STOA. And uh, we're building it. So, so cool. you're not going to find anything. You're not going to find anything online about it yet. Uh, but I have to design it, build it, and manage it. And uh, it's uh, it's a resource. It's a resource website where we will provide links to uh, the gentleman you just mentioned, uh, Neri. Uh, and uh, uh, anybody who wants to start a school, we will supply you with links to get money, to get curriculum, to get tutors, to get professors, and to, and to contact other people in your area that want to join your school. That's what Stowe is going to do. It's going to be a clearinghouse for all of those resources that people are going to need and do need right now, do need right now uh, to build their own schools. Yeah. That's it's kind awesome. of interesting that, that uh, uh, my experience with the Catholic church and father Ratzinger uh, has a similarity uh, in terms of returning the church to its first century roots. Mm -hmm. Now I'm involved in an educational return to home-based education roots the way it used to be yeah it's kind of interesting that, that is interesting very interesting that's happening there. um and are you involved politically at all did you ever no, think about running for office or anything like i ran for carpenteria city council i live in oh Carpenter. did you <laughs> yes and the only re and reporter asked me um reporter josh molina he said to me why did you run you knew you were going to lose i said yes you're absolutely right josh i i knew i was going to lose he said then well, why did you run i said because i wanted everyone in carpenteria to know that i am not a communist <laughs> so that there's other options and he printed it and there were there are now 1,117 uh, uh, citizens of Carpentry who voted for Mark McIntyre for city council. So, I, but I lost by 2,000 votes. So. Wow, 
Did you have to raise a lot of money for that? No, I think I raised more, less than uh, three thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh wow. Less than three grand. It was you my got, you got a, over a thousand votes with less than three thousand. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the Second Amendment? Well, I'm a lifetime member of the National Rifle Association. I was a top lieutenant uh, for Charlton Heston um, in Hollywood. I was on the Screen Actors Guild Board of Directors. Um, and uh, How did uh, you get involved in the Screen Actors Guild? I think we missed uh, that part. You're yeah, an I actor, too? Early, I thought I mentioned early on that I was uh, leading the charge to overthrow Ed Asner. Yes, you did. And I, and um, I then I went on the Mary Tyler right, Moore thing. And then I was like, because I'm re-watching Mary Tyler Moore. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> okay, yeah. sorry. You were saying, yeah, you you are right. You did cover that, but I yeah. never chased that down. Right. So right, you were right. an actor, too? Oh, yeah. I wrote a one-man John Kennedy show for myself to perform after I left Westfield. See, after I kicked out the president of Westfield State University, Dr. Savignano, uh, I uh, left uh, Massachusetts and went to, uh, went to uh, California and started my acting career. And I worked uh, in the acting career for, uh, for, since 19, from 1977 to 1987, 10 years. Yeah. 1977 to 1987. Wait a minute, I think it was longer than that. No, no. Were you in anything that people would know? You think? <laughs> um, that's an that's an epistemological were they, question. Were, were they not in any? Were were they all X-rated or were they B B movies or what were they? They well, it depends upon your depends upon your definition and who's making the definition. But but no, it's a it's a uh, I, I I I wrote my own one man John Kennedy show. Mm -hmm. I appeared in uh, in uh, uh, movies uh, with Ann Archer, um, uh, ABC oh, really? Week. I got an Area Emmy Award. I know uh, who that is. You uh, got an Emmy Award? Area Emmy Award. What's that? Area Area there, <laughs> not a national one. Area because I oh, played okay. in the I played an attorney for KRON Channel 4 in San Francisco. Um, and and uh, uh, so you're back. Yeah, you're back. We are back. Sorry, uh, we had some technical so issues. Where was I? Where so was you I? were an oh, Emmy Award on. winner and yeah. you, uh, you starred with Ann Archer. And, and uh, a movie called The Pirate, uh, a Harold Robbins uh, novel turned into I play John Kennedy, President Kennedy. So my, 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 my writing of the one man show worked out well for me because I was routinely employed on screen uh, as a Kennedy esque kind of political uh, uh, character, you know. So I, I that's uh, cool. It was, you got, you it had was a lot a of speaking roles. Yeah, it was a shtick. I mean, it was, a, you know, you know, you understand from the word shtick. It's a it's a you had a lot of speaking roles and that 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 translates into you can pay your rent, in other words. Yeah. You know, the reason why I didn't like uh, staying in the acting business and one year I made over eight hundred thousand dollars as an actor. And then the next year I, I, I would barely earn three thousand dollars the next year. Uh, it's a very insecure life. Uh, and uh, I. Uh, I, I got out of it as soon as I could. I invented myself as a computer uh, uh, computer uh, uh, guru. Uh, Charlton Heston was one of my clients. He was one of my very first clients. Um, and that's uh, cool. Nicholas Cage. Uh, 
uh, uh, he was a, a client of mine. Uh, Richard Dreyfus was a client of mine. So, uh, so I invented, I took advantage of my acting uh, connections to build a, um, a uh, 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 micro maestro, that's what I called myself, micro maestro, uh, a, a consulting service for actors and uh, their lawyers and their doctors. It was great. It was it really what kind of what well. kind of consulting was it? Was I, it I would I, I would I would yeah software and hardware. I would advise them what to buy, uh, in terms of hardware, and I would uh, install the software for them. I would customize the software so that all they had to do was use macros, uh, just flip the switch and ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. And uh, did you know Charlton Heston? I did not know Charlton Heston when I got to Los Angeles, but I was watching. I'll tell you a story very briefly. I was watching. Um, uh, I was watching a news program. This had to have been um, uh, 1980, 1980, when the uh, Screen Actors Guild uh, voted on whether or not to merge with the Screen Extras Guild. Now, as you know, as everybody knows, extras are background. They're potted plants. Uh, in the background of movies, they don't. Some, act. some people don't know that they don't know, especially right. the pay difference. If you That's utter right. one word, That's right. That's <laughs> in the, in the script, right. then you get, get your pay bump goes up like ten times. Sense. Oh, oh, astronomically, yeah. So anyway, I was watching the news report. Uh, the the merger, engineered by Ed Astor, who was then president of the Screen Actors Guild. Uh, Ed Astor had has this goal: being a Marxist, being a communist. His goal was to have one grand labor union uh, for all workers in Hollywood so he could shut down Hollywood and kill all production and put a gun to the head of, uh, of uh, all the producers uh, in Hollywood. Typical Marxist power grab. Typical, mm -hmm. that's what they do. Anyway, uh, so Charlton Heston and a group of uh, uh, former presidents, uh, six former presidents of the union, banded together and they created something called AWAG, Actors Working for an Actors Guild. And um, uh, during this uh, program, uh, this news program on Channel 4 in San Francisco, I'm sorry, in L.A., I was in L.A. at the time, <clears throat> uh, Ed Astor, <coughs> excuse me, Ed Astor got on the screen and he said, well, uh, the the rank and file voted to voted the merger down, but uh, the board of trustees just passed a resolution to make them vote again. So they didn't know what they were voting for. We're convinced they did not realize what they were voting. So oh, the membership will vote again. And uh, then the correspondent switched to Charlton Heston at his house. And Heston says, well, I'm sorry to tell Mr. Asner that uh, we defeated the merger once and we're going to defeat it by a larger ma margin the next time because we don't keep voting until we get his way we vote and then we uh, act accordingly so at the bottom of the screen under charlton heston's name there was a phone number actors working for an actor's guild and a phone number so i called the phone number and i said i wanted to volunteer because i had been writing articles for variety and hollywood reporter I had been writing articles opposing the merger uh, of the Screen Extra Scale with the SAG organization. And uh, so, uh, you know, some people wrote it. Anyway, so I called up uh, this number and I got an actress by the name of Marie Windsor. 
Um, she was a, a B movie maker uh, on the board of trustees of, 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 uh, of uh, Screen Actors Guild. She was also part of Charlton Heston's AWAC. She said, we're looking for a new chairman and um, uh, we'd, uh, Chuck would like to see you. I said, Chuck, who, who, Chuck, I don't, I don't, I don't know anybody named Chuck. <laughs> she said, uh, Charlton Heston, he wants to meet you. I said, why does he want to meet me? She said, well, we need a new chairman. And we looked into your background and we found out that you overthrew the college president at Westfield State University 10 years ago. So looks like you have some experience of getting rid of people. <laughs> and did they make any political connections at that point from the, the Westfield incident? Or were, were they, meaning... Uh, they were they able to discern from the Westfield thing that you were not a leftist. Um, that, that that never came up. To be that honest, never came up. Okay. Never they just knew up. you were on their side. They knew I was a hired gun, and I could shoot straight. And you were on their side because you've been published side. in Variety. That's all, that's all that mattered to them was I was on their side. They could care less if I was gotcha. a communist or a fascist. Were you? <laughs> they could care were less. you? A, were, were you paid for those pieces in Variety and Hollywood Reporter? Uh, no, 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 okay. no, they, they, just, they just took your labor. Yeah. Gotcha. They took my labor. And they I took got, your I got labor. to be friends with Dave Robb, who still works for a reporter. I'm uh, uh, a variety. I got very friendly with him. And uh, Interesting. Uh, when I got on, I was elected to the Screen Actors Guild Board. When I was chairman of AWAG, I got Wait, elected. Wait, you were, you were elected to the Screen Actors Board? Yeah, the National Board. Of, yeah. Part of my job when they made me chairman of AWAG was I had to run elect I had to elect forty five people to the SAG board of directors as part of the of the reform movement that I was leading. And um, Screen Actors uh, Guild did, has a board. Got forty five. Okay, right. we're back. We're okay, back. So, so, so you were so, elected to the Screen Actors Guild board. Yes, that's the national board. Okay, that's right. In 1983, I was elected in 1983. Correct. How long did you serve in that role? Only three years, only one term, because I accomplished my mission. I got cool. 45 people elected, and I organized an amicus curiae brief to the Supreme Court of the United States. You see, my law degree did come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> I organized a uh, uh, an amicus curiae brief. Uh, in a case called uh, Communication Workers of America versus Beck, B-E-C-K, and uh, in a five to uh, three decision with Justice uh, Sandra Day O'Connor uh, abstaining because um, she had a conflict of interest. Uh, we, uh, we accomplished the main reason for AWAG and the main reason for getting people elected uh, because uh, the Supreme Court ruled that it is unconstitutional uh, to take ex to extract from compulsory labor union dues monies to give to campaigns, causes, and political issues with which that individual member disagrees in conscience. It's called the Beck decision. And I'm most proud of all the things I've ever done in my life. I am most proud of that Supreme Court decision. That's awesome. And you got to meet Charlton Heston. Sorry to keep Worked going. With him back every to day that. for 27 years, I read the prayers of uh, uh, the prayers of the faithful at his funeral. I became, I became a dinner guest uh, frequently. I I played golf with his son. Uh, yeah, I helped Lydia write her book. I mean, yeah, we were friends for 27 years. 
Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I miss him every day. I miss his I miss his wisdom, um, his insight, his balance, uh, uh, especially his balance. The last of the sane ones in Hollywood. Yeah. God yeah. bless you. No wonder you were ready for Santa Barbara City College. You, I mean, <laughs> you they, were they unfazed. No, they, didn't, see, they didn't do their homework. Had they, oh, my had, gosh. If they'd done their homework, they never <laughs> would have messed with me. They never would have messed with me. Well, Mark, uh, we really appreciate you spending your morning with us. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your wonderfully vast audience and diverse audience with me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you.